the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Jesse Gestand. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gestand. And I am excited to be with you on this Monday edition of Lifeline. I hope you are excited to be with me as well as we take advantage of our constitutional right to gather together to assemble under the guise of freedom of speech. And that means that we can work on ourselves rhetorically, didactically, um, in a way by which through dialogue and conversation, monologically and then dialogically, we can uh, we can grow. We can enhance ourselves over the next couple of hours. After all, what is life about but growing and maturing and developing being productive, and as I will be preaching next week, finishing well the race to which we all have been called. Again, I want to thank you for joining me on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Get the phone number ready because on the topic I'm going to address, I will need you to contribute to uh, this discourse if you have any knowledge on the matter at all. If you don't, just sit and listen. One triple eight. Three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I'm always curious as to what topics I might bring on the Monday show after a long, arduous, challenging week of ministry, which I love. As kind of we kind of heard by um, our brother preacher in the uh, five minute discourse, we he just shared with us about believers being productive and believers serving and how that he looks out in the pews and wonder about empty seats and what he may have done to contribute to that. Um, I, I so thank God for 22 years now of ministry at Grace in Hayward and how God has allowed us to grow and mature, not only numerically, um, and that is continuing, but just by way of uh, transformation, transformation of our mind, renewing of our mind, modifying of our um, interest, yes, and our emphasis, yes, in order to be more Christocentric in our expression of life as a witness to this Bay Area. That's where I am as a pastor in terms of how I view what I'm going to be talking about now is the health of the local church. So, um, yeah, we were out last week. That is to say myself and my wife um, had a stint of a vacation Um we went to Palm Springs, never been there before, heard about it. Just one of those long distant kind of awareness factors that we have about things like Hollywood and in areas where people go, you know, but not you or me. We just don't go to those places. But we had a fortunate opportunity to go by the blessing of my in-laws. And while there in that desert oasis that can be paradoxically set forth, uh, it was amazing to me, the whole city um, setup structure, the function, how clean it was, how orderly it was, how practical it was. Essentially, what you have with Palm Springs and Palm Desert and a few of the cities there around, which is somewhere between here and L.A., 100 miles out from L.A., if you ever want to go, is a kind of um, city within a desert, a set of cities, if you will. Uh, cities that have been thought through very well, very carefully, very thoughtfully. And if you ever go to Palm Springs, you're going to enjoy it thoroughly, particularly if you're older than 30 years old, if you're older than 40. And certainly if you're between 50 and 70 years old, a great place to go. Convenience, convenience, convenience is the fundamental observation that I made in terms of how many things are so close by that you don't have to drive for 30 minutes to get to an affair. 
All of your amenities are there, and yet you are in the desert. The average heat is between 105 degrees and 118 degrees, okay? I just want to let you know that. Um, An amazing experience for five days, six days for myself and the esteemed Barbara Giston, my beloved wife, because uh, the moment we got off the plane, we realized that we were in a whole nother heat wave dimension of life. And we're wondering how we were going to acclimate. The blessing with Palm Springs is that the humidity level humidity level is so low. Humidity is somewhere between um, like 20% and 10% and 0%, which means it's hot, but it's not heavy. That means you can endure with a lot of water, hydrate, hydrating yourself, and uh, being practical about getting in and outside of the heat into the air condition, back into the heat, and then again into the air condition without the extremes being so vast and so frequent that you end up getting sick. But more to the point that I want to get to here in a moment is that uh, we found ourselves on occasion, as we do, hiking because there are some massive hills, 6,000 feet above sea level, 7,000, 8,000, uh, 9,000 feet peak hills. Uh, they call them mountains there. Uh, the terrain is beautiful. The landscape is beautiful. The desert is a phenomenal place if you've ever been there. You know that um, all of the uh, plant life and and um, the stonery and the, the shapes of the rocks and the whole uh, non-cultivated uh, experience is a wonderful, wonderful experience. We're hiking on our first day there for two hours in about 118 degrees heat. Can you imagine that? Immediately, I thought upon our uh, Latino brothers and sisters coming from Mexico into Texas, having to endure that same kind of heat thing. We walked for about two hours the first day. And, you you know, you, you're walking at a, a very uh, thoughtful pace. You're not going too fast. You're certainly not going too slow. And you're very watchful because, as you know, California is full of rattlesnakes and other vermin that if you're not careful, they'll get a little nip out of your flesh. And I did run across a rattlesnake. I might might as well let you know. And he gave me a very clear, robust signal and told me, you go to the right, I'll go to the left, and everything will be all right. I obeyed his orders immediately, prompto, and uh, here I am today. Um the second day we went out, we went up to the top of a particular mountain. Can't pronounce the name. It's um, it's either Spanish or um, Native American, but it's a beautiful experience. I, I I would say to you, if you if you don't get out to exercise in the area of just walking and enjoying life, the beauty and splendor of God's un. Uh, unvarnished, uncultivated creation. You really want to, for a number of reasons, for a number of reasons, you want to begin to adopt that as part of your lifestyle. So when I come back and uh, we had our weekend activity, our final summer event, our um, GBC barbecue fellowship uh, at Heather Farm Park, just a beautiful park. It was a phenomenal event. Hundreds and hundreds of people came out from Grace and, and some of our sister churches as well had a phenomenal Phenomenal time. And then yesterday, our worship was phenomenal. Just absolutely wonderful. Um, you can go online and get our preaching and, and see how it went. And uh, we are in a, uh, in a, one, a, a marvelous sort of a pattern of preaching and worship and fellowship and grace. One of the things I have been talking to our congregation about, and I want to share with you, is how critical it is for us to know what sound doctrine is. The Apostle Paul said to Timothy in preparation for departing from this life in his second epistle to Timothy, we call this a pastoral epistle from one pastor to another pastor. Here's what he told Timothy, and I want to jar your thoughts on this as I call your attention to a particular problem that's showing up around the world, but certainly here in America, and I want to hear from you around it. The Apostle Paul said to Timothy, for God, this is 2 Timothy 1.7, hath not given us the spirit of fear. Phobia is the Greek term, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
God has not given us a spirit of fear. That is a mindset that is gripped by terror, um, anxiety, uh, baseless phobias and fears that would be rooted in ignorance or a lack of protection or provision that comes from a powerful source like God. In other words, he's not leaving you and I, if we're believers in Christ, to ourselves. But a power, really, that's dunamis. God has given us dunamis, power, and of love, and of a sound mind. So that trifecta, power, the intrinsic work of the Spirit of God operating in accompaniment with the people of God, love, which is the fundamental expression of union between the believer in Christ, and then a sound mind. Which is my topic with you today? I've been talking to our congregation a while about the comprehensive nature of the gospel, how that it is designed to not only penetrate our hearing and therefore impact our thinking, but so transform our minds that in the renewal process that our affections, our volition, and therefore our conduct is set on a whole new trajectory. And as we've been working through a sound mind theology, the Apostle Paul used that term soundness, soundness in first and second Timothy over seven times. And we close out with it in second Timothy chapter four, verse two, where it says um, uh, the time is coming when they shall not endure sound doctrine. And, and often we think of sound doctrine as merely the uh, orthodoxy of the faith in terms of what we would call the credo statements of who God is and who Christ is and how salvation works, et cetera, et cetera, orthodoxy. But what Paul meant by sound doctrine was the pervasive and growing influence of the grace of God in the life of the people of God as a consequence of them really being regenerate, born again, and therefore uh, propelled into a process of sanctification and growth and maturity in Christ so that in total our lives are now driven by union and fellowship with Jesus Christ so that you are growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. Now get this, you guys, because this is where I'm going. And therefore, from the moment of regeneration, you have been in a process of healing. Healing. That is the fundamental meaning of the word soter, from which we get the doctrine soteriology. To be saved is to be made whole. There is a very clear sense in which we are whole in Christ positionally. In our election, having been chosen in him before the foundation of the world and that we are whole in Christ personally upon conversion uh, and regeneration where Christ in you, the hope of glory becomes your total vouchsafe before God so that we are, as Paul said to the church at Colossae, we are complete in Christ. Because Christ is God's fullness, we have that fullness in Christ. If you are in Christ, and Christ is in you. But there is a process to the development of that fullness and perfection in Christ that all believers engage in, experience, and know as we make our journey through this world. Would you agree with that? And therefore, would you not also agree that on the grounds of forgiveness of sins, which is God's mechanism by which he maintains relationship with us so that sin does not permanently block our fellowship with God forever on the grounds of the forgiveness of sins by the merits of Christ's death and the blood that prevails in our behalf to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, you and I can experience renewal, healing. In fact, we've been teaching that in our church lately, that where you find the doctrine of forgiveness, you also find the concept of healing. Why? Because we are in a recovery process, would you agree, in a healing process. That being the case, one of the things that I have been thinking about, and I'm going to proffer this before I take a break, is three areas of our life as believers. And that is, first, the area of health, health, health. What does it mean to be a healthy believer? Secondly, and adjacent to it, corresponding with it or consequent to it, a qualitatively 
life expression as a result of my walk with God. A quality life. What is a quality life, ladies and gentlemen, in Christ? When you take soteriology seriously as a comprehensive invasion into your life by the holy and harmless and righteous Son of God, what is a qualitatively uh, expressive life of faith between you and God? What does it look like? And then thirdly, here's the the kicker, because I'm going to raise a question. You're going to think that it has nothing to do with you, but it has everything to do with you unless you live in a bubble. Pain management. Pain management. So what I want to talk about is health, a quality life, and pain management. That trifecta is what you and I are going to discuss. How biblically important is healthy living? a quality life, and pain management? How important is healthy living, a qualitatively life expression, and pain management? Well, it has everything to do with with being a child of grace in between conversion and glorification in a world that's broken, full of sin, trouble, pain, sorrow, stress, anxiety, and everything else to boot. How does the believer live in a broken world where things are so marred and so difficult and so filled with pressure, and we are still dealing with the breakdown of a sinful world, including our own sinful bodies? Would you agree? So when I come back from the break, what I want to talk about is marijuana addiction, addiction to marijuana. Now, you may not even be remotely interested in the subject for yourself, but I do want you to stay and listen and hear the contribution from people who will call in who know its effects, positive and negative. And we're going to be talking about it in relationship to health, a quality life and pain management on the Monday edition of Lifeline with your host and pastor, Jesse Gistan. one 367 5329 I want the cause to be around our particular topic, so I'll have to nurture it a little bit more. But I want you to call in as I unpack this a little bit more to tell me what your experience is with marijuana and its Addictive behavior, which is a growing problem in the world and therefore in the church. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. one 367 5329 I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. We are back at the time, 525, on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We are talking about, um, actually, I'm talking about health, a quality life, and pain management. And I really want to keep those three concepts in the forefront of our thought as we deal with the primary subject of marijuana addiction. Now, I don't think it's a surprise to anyone in California, and it certainly wouldn't be a surprise to anyone in Colorado about the prevailing uh, popularity and use of marijuana. Now, before I get into the phone calls, and I've got two lines open, one 367 5329 one my question is going to be to you, but I want you to hear the data. I want you to call in and let me know, are you aware of someone who may be suffering from the negative effects of marijuana, a loved one, a friend, a family member, or even yourself? And how have you dealt with it? How have you overcome it? How have you addressed it? This is essential because when you hear the stats, you're going to discover that when we're talking about health, a quality life, a quality life, and pain management, they all three are an integrated concept. Quality life is health. Pain management is calling for health and a quality life. And we live with both. This is the spectrum of life as a believer in a fallen world with a fallen body. So listen to the data 
and then I'll go to the phone line. Five facts about marijuana, and this is coming from uh, a, a ministry called the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, and Joe Carter is writing on it. Listen to what he says. Five facts about marijuana addiction. Recent surveys show that about 6 in 10 Americans, 61%, say the use of marijuana should be legalized. So more than half Americans want it to be legalized, along with the increase in permissive attitudes and legislation involving marijuana. There is an increase in the perception that the drug is harmless and non-addictive. The reality is that the rise in the prevalence of marijuana use usage more than doubled between 2001 and 2013 and has led to a large increase in marijuana use disorder. Now, did you hear those three words? Because they will be uh, acronistically, um, acrostically used by me, M-U-D, marijuana use disorder, MUD, MUD. Cannabis is potentially a real public health problem. Mark A.R. Kleiman, a professor of public policy at New York University, recently told The Atlantic, it wasn't obvious to me 25 years ago when 9% of self-reported cannabis users over the last month reported daily or nearly daily use. I was always prepared to say, no, it's not very abusable. It's not a very abusable drug. 9% of anybody will do something stupid anywhere. But that number has shown itself to increase now since the year 2002, um, as Mark is uh, responding to the present hour, to 40% of those who are using marijuana are using it in a fashion where it's showing addiction. Now, here is what they have to say about it. First, the terms marijuana and cannabis refer to all parts of the plant cannabis sativa, including the seed, the resin extracted from any part of the plant, and every compound uh, manufacturer, salt, derivative mixture, or preparation of such plant, its seeds or resin. Cannabis is the most commonly used illegal psychoactive substance worldwide and the most abused drug in the U.S. with an estimated 4 million Americans either dependent on cannabis or abusing the drug. Don't go away from me. Stay right here because we want to look at this because one of the blessings I've had over the years is being able to be around the corner in my discourse about topics relevant to your life and mine before they become like the front news issue. And simply because we are a Christian radio station, we're not dealing with topics with our head in the sand. We're talking about living life in Christ in this real world. And I know and you know that we all have a challenge in a world where things are available to us like we do in America of addiction, of excess, of over abuse of anything. Today, it happens to be the topic of marijuana. And I want to hear from you. The current prevalence of abuse is 1.13%, while the prevalence for dependence is 0.32%. While not all marijuana users experience problems, nearly 3 out of 10 marijuana users manifest a marijuana use disorder. MUD. Number two, addiction to cannabis or marijuana is known as cannabis use disorder. That's called CUD. You got MUD and CUD. The diagnostic criteria for CUD found in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorder is a problematic pattern of use leading to clinically significant impairment or distress manifested by at least two of the following occurring with a 12-month period. Now listen to the symptoms of marijuana, addiction, uh, abuse, etc. First, the substance is taken in larger amounts over a longer period of time than was once intended. The substance is taken in larger amounts over a longer period of time than intended. Secondly, persistent desire or unsuccessful effort to cut down or control use. Persistent desire or unsuccessful effort to cut down or control use. 
In other words, you're using it more and you can't seem to stop. Thirdly, a great deal of time is spent obtaining, using, or recovering from the effects of cannabis. A great deal of time is spent obtaining, buying it, using it, and then recovering from it its effect. In other words, you spend a lot of your time buying it to get high, and then once you get high, it takes time to come down. Craving or a strong desire or urge to use cannabis. Cravings or a strong desire or urge to use cannabis stays in that person's mind and psyche and system. A couple more, then I'm going to take a break. Recurrent use resulting in failure to fulfill major obligations at work, school, or home. Did you hear that? The recurrent use of marijuana or cannabis results in failure to fulfill major obligations at work, school, or home. Continued use despite having persistent or recurrent social or interpersonal problems caused by exacerbation by the effects of the use of marijuana. In other words, it's affecting your relationships. Finally, giving up or reducing important social, occupational, or recreational activities because of the use of marijuana. Giving up. You notice what he said? That when one begins to use it, they want to use more of it. They're preoccupied with using more of it. They are struggling with the use of it. It affects them. It affects relationship. And then it affects their motivational factor to be able to work and to function and to provide. All this thus far, and I'm not done reading it, suggests to me and maybe to you as well that a healthy qualitative life in relationship to pain management becomes a problem, don't you think? one 367 I'm going to take a break. When I come back, got a little bit more to read, and then we'll go to the phone lines, and I want to see if I can find some honest people out there who are aware of the problem and have some resolutions about it or how we might approach it ethically and biblically so as to stay on track with a healthy, qualitative life and a legitimate pain management model that keeps us from falling into the ditch of addiction. You're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline, your host, Jesse Giston. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistan. And yes, we are the number here, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine to um chime in on our topic around marijuana addiction. I have one more part of the article that I do want to read that I think is important for parents. Since addiction becomes um, a very tempting component for young people, listen to this. In 2016, 2.3% of adolescents aged 12 to 17, some 600,000 adolescents had a marijuana use disorder in the past year. 12 to 17, approximately 1.7 million young adults aged 18 to 25, or other words, 5% of young adults, and a similar number of adults aged 26 and older, approximately 1.7 million adults aged 26 or older, that is 0.8% of adults in this age group, also had a mud problem in the past year. Did you guys get that? 600,000 Teenagers from 12 to 17, from 18 to 25, some 1.7 million, from 26 upwards, some 1.7 million. In other words, they are our neighbors, they are our friends, they are our children. Number four, cannabis use is likely to increase the risk of developing schizophrenia and other psychosis. The higher the use, the greater the risk. The evidence also suggests that any cannabis use is related with increased suicidal ideation, suicidal thoughts or preoccupation with suicide, um, augmented suicide attempts and greater risk of death by suicide. Studies reveal that heavy cannabis use is associated with a higher risk of suicide ideation and suicidal attempts. Additionally, heavy cannabis use is associated with cognitive impairment. Did you get that? 
Heavy cannabis use is associated with slow brains. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we already have slow brains. You can laugh if you want. But if you see what we are saying, the implications are this, that the use of marijuana at the level of addiction is going to actually check you out of life. It's going to cancel your capacity to be successful. It's going to set you up for failure because it is anti-motivational. And it will, it will shrink your capacity for a sound mind. It will limit your capacity. Here is what it says. Lower educational attainment occurs with those who are mud or cud and ultimately unemployment. Fifthly, currently, there's no treatment that has been proven effective for cut or mud, while some psychosocial interventions such as cognitive behavioral therapy have demonstrated the ability to reduce cannabis use, although abstinence rates remain modest and decline after treatment. There are no therapies using pharmaceutical drugs approved for the treatment of CUD or MUD. Some drugs have shown limited positive effects on the use um, of of withdrawal symptoms, but no controlled studies have been able to show strong or persistent effects on clinically meaningful outcomes. Do you know what that means? It's amazing. We are advocating the use of it. And I'm not a doctor or a scientist or a psych or any of that, so I am not uh, jumping in that fray. I'm simply saying what is given to us now, and this is Joe Carter of, as I told you before, the, let me find it, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, which is really devoted to maintaining a biblical worldview around the whole of our life, whether it's food or whether it's medicine, etc. And I'm asking you the question before we end up talking about it in church because you know when the church doesn't have walls it's all broken down the enemy can get into the city and when it's into the city either you deal with it forcefully and apologetically and um, righteously for healing's sake or you become overcome by the very enemy uh, that defines the world defining the church And now we have to change the rules of God's word when it comes to what it means to be truly healthy, truly qualitatively living, and truly uh, given to a sound principle of pain management because we're all in pain. But how you deal with it is the real issue. one 888 Do you or someone you know, your children, your grandchildren, your husband, your wife, Both of y'all, as believers in Christ, find yourselves struggling with a healthy life, a qualitatively expressive life, and pain management as the third component. Particularly as we're getting older, we have to deal with that, don't we? How are you handling this particular problem? We're going to be doing what is called a health summit at Grace, Lord willing, in September, but it's coming together slowly. But we will do it again this time before the year is out, uh, the Lord willing, a health summit to deal with some of the very clear maladies that our society is encumbered with and even professing believers because of bad habits and or just, you know, social issues, genetic issues, and see what we can do in terms of a sound biblical worldview to help increase, enhance the quality of our lives. So I want you to call me now and tell me you have seen this and you have found an effective way to deal with it, or you have not. one 367 one Let me go to line one and talk to James, who has angelically held out for quite some time. Line number one. Uh, James, are you there? Line number one. Uh, James, are you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Good, good. How are you, man? I'm good, good, good to hear from you. Uh, listen, uh, I might be disqualified from this discussion based on the fact that my experience is 35, 40 years removed, you know, from this topic. Uh, but I do know others and are close to others that do uh, that are <clears throat> using it. Do they have, quote, unquote, oxymoronic, a medical marijuana uh-huh. card? 
And I don't see anything medically beneficial uh, that, that comes from it. First of all, I'm from the position that I don't think anything that can be ingested by smoking can be healthy. I have no doubts that there's there's some medicinal value to marijuana, but not ingesting it by smoking. There's got to be, you know, some other form. And, which, and without being high, having an altered state of consciousness. Yep. Uh, yep. I don't, you know, I, I don't, you know, subscribe to that. And then I would also question the stats that was presented at the, uh, that you presented. Well, you presented it was mentioned at the beginning. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I would question those stats because. I mean, you can you can manipulate the numbers to say whatever you want. I would want to know about the sample size and the population size that he used, and where did he go to get it from? You know, if you go to California and Colorado and take that uh, sample size, it's going to be quite different from say maybe Middle America. You know, where it, it, where marijuana is not as prevalent. Uh, you know, I would take that, and then to realize also that we got to this point. A marijuana by that dialectic process where it was held to be illegal because understand it's still federally not recognized. Right, you know, marijuana is not is not very. So we have to look at that. If you're a believer, first and foremost, when it comes to obeying the laws and land, which which we are to do, if they don't conflict with God, I mean, we can't we can't hide behind Oakland and California. Uh, we, we we just can't afford to do that as believers. You know, it just doesn't. You know, we, we just can't do that. We, we don't have a, a solid leg to stand on. And so uh, one has to look at that. And also one was, one has to look at what marijuana was then to what is evolving grown to now. I mean, what may have been more natural, not excusing using it back then, is definitely not what it is now because most of it is being genetically modified. I agree. And, and, and so... Of course, you're going to get, you know, uh, different results. Now, not even bragging, but I've known a number of people back in our generation that used it. I don't know if anybody that was addicted to it was more like socially. And some of those people, whereas though they may not be saved, I mean, they're not homeless. I mean, they held jobs, careers, you know, uh, raised you know, families, I mean, they're, they're, they're doing quite, you know, well for themselves, mm-hmm. as opposed to what we are experiencing now, you know, what we, what, what we see out there now, uh, and, and, the, and the results uh, thereof, which goes back to, you know, what's being genetically, you know, modified. Because what we look at today is people looking for, first of all, for a way to rebel against society. I want to be able to you know, ingest marijuana, I want to be able to smoke it, I want to be able to feel better. But at the end of the day, you know, they're self-anesthetizing, yes, but are they really feeling any better? Uh, I would say not, not with the behavior that's uh, that's being displayed on a regular basis. Now, you made a number of of very good points, and I I I intentionally did not interrupt you because you waited so long, James, to to get on. And all of the points are are, they have merit to them. Every one of the points you made have merit. I probably would say this because I have to take a hard break that um, the issue of of the stats here that that's completely irrelevant in this regard, that is irrelevant in this regard, that we actually know that there's an increasing um aspiration to inebriation pain management because of a myriad of other problems that um, um, that that precede uh, the whole subject of marijuana. We know that our culture is increasing in its anger, in its anxiety, in its stress levels because of a breakdown of so many different things, of the family, of a, a biblical worldview, of sound doctrine in the church, sound doctrine in the world. And I know you would agree with that. This is one of the symptoms that I know if we expanded it larger into the more uh, redemptive arena, we would realize that it's simply one of a bunch of marked tools that's telling us that our nation is not handling its responsibilities well, and it's having a physiological effect on us in terms of the larger social construct. And wherever there's a breakdown in God's law, breakdown in God's uh, presence, breakdown in the conscience of men around the moral ethical standards, 
standards by which we can live a good, healthy life. We're going to find ourselves struggling with, that's why I call the third uh, part of the trifecta, pain management. And when we get into pain management, I'm going to be a little bit more gracious around the need to acknowledge it because the Bible does. Having said that, if I'm going to manage my pain, but it's going to actually create a poor quality of life. And therefore I'm going to be unhealthy as a consequence of pain management. And that's where I was going from the beginning of the article. Then it does not merit uh, wisely or reasonably that I would engage in any form of that use, even if it were legal or lawful or uh, found to be uh, helpful in some areas of my life. If the overall health of my life is qualitatively diminished, to the point where I am non-motivated, to the point where I am antisocial, to the point where I can't work and can't function, then I have to find an alternative if I'm going to hold to the ethic of a health and quality of life that God has called me to as a believer. And uh, that's where I'm going. But I want to hear from people who actually have a little bit more experience with it on the practical, personal level, though everything you said was great. Listen, I got to take a break. When I come back, I'll answer your phone calls. Three lines open, one 888 one Now, when you call in, if you're not talking tangibly about this topic with some relevance, I'm going to let you go, okay? I want to hear from people who know about it experientially and what you have dealt with it or how you are struggling with it, and can you understand how important it is as a believer to walk with a sound mind relative to these matters for your good and for the good of your children and for the good of your children's children. one 367 I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we have one line open, one 888 We are talking about the effects of marijuana addiction, <clears throat> whether cannabis form or marijuana form. And James gave a number of legitimate observations that I think are valid in terms of uh, a prohibition to its use in the fashion in which the article lays out people becoming addicted, people becoming dysfunctional, people becoming um, apathetic, um, people becoming uh, unable to function in life in lines of what we are talking about, a healthy life, a qualitatively healthy life and a life that has a healthy form of pain management because pain is something that we are always dealing with. So let's go to line number two and talk with LB and Hayward. LB, what's your common observation on our topic today? Okay. Um, first, I appreciate you discussing the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. As Christians, we don't always want to face the hard stuff of life. Sure. Um, <clears throat> second of all, I don't want anybody to think I'm judging them. This is particular to me and my children and my family. Uh-huh. I have four children. Two are normal. Two are normal, healthy kids, grew up. They're adults now. Mm-hmm. Two, one, the younger two, one learns differently, and one has some developmental and social challenges. Sure. Legitimately. Sure. So, long story short, no drugs. I've never done drugs in my house. Single parent household. Yes, we've had our struggles, but they were always raised in church. Mm-hmm. Um, in high school, my two older ones, they experienced the traumatic event that happened at their school that had to deal with the drive-by shooting. Right. And the other one was actually injured. Okay. Um, because of that traumatic incident, they opted to deal with it using the cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, for me, being a Christian mom, uh-huh. I, it, it just me. <laughs> you know, I, I just really didn't know how to deal with it because I've never dealt with that situation before. Sure. And then whereas I have the other two who have developmental issues. Right. Who have chosen to just stick with God. Right. And they pray through it. it and, and neither of the four have easy journeys. Okay. So I want to make that clear. The two that have stuck with God it's difficult for them, right. but they just know the cannabis, they just know it alters them because they see what it's done to their siblings. Yep. They see how 
straight A honor students from high school to college that were just super duper smart. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a proud parent. It's the truth. And they didn't went from the oldest one did graduate, but he's lazy. All he wants to do is just sleep and eat. And this has happened since he started this. And he's been on it now for about 10 years. Got it. But because he's an adult, all I can do is lay down the laws. When you come visit me, I don't want you to smell like it. You're not going to do it near my house or in my house. What you do on your adult life, that's up to you. And all I can do is pray for you. I've handed them over to prayer. I agree. The daughter, on the other hand, um, she says it's for her PSTD and her injury. Sure. And she'd rather do that because she feels it's natural. I agree with the first caller. Stuff now is Almost everything is GMO. Right. It's very hard to find anything in its original state. Right. And um, I've seen her where she can't function. Right. <laughs> she can't function, and right. she doesn't realize. Right. And so she's constantly changing jobs. She's constantly changing majors. She, you know, I'm, I'm like, really? You don't see the effect. Right. So then I just, again, had to hand her over to prayer. But... It's kind of bittersweet for me. Uh-huh. On the flip side, it's been an example to the two younger siblings where they're like, uh-uh, right, no, right. I don't care what anybody says. Right. I'm sticking with God. It's not easy. But I see how it's changed my siblings. Right. And for me, I always feel caught in the middle because sometimes they take that to my parents' house and me and my siblings have to check that right away. Right. So it's kind of a ripple effect, a cascading effect. Sure. And I always feel like I'm on patrol to protect the younger siblings, my parents, and just me and my environment, but yet trying to not be too judgmental, mm-hmm. to continue to hand them over to prayer, mm-hmm. and also to continue to love them. Right. You're, uh... And it's, it's very difficult. It's, it's at times where, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I have to do counseling sometimes. Sure, sure. Because I don't know how to, it's, it's like, I don't get it. I just don't get it. <laughs> you are a perfect example of the caller that I, I wanted to call into LB, because I know that all of the listeners that do listen and are listening are taking um, taking advice. You are the perfect caller. James was very good with stats. What I wanted was a person like you. I'm looking forward to talking to a male as well, because I do know, LB, that that is what we are dealing with. What you are dealing with, and I want to say this to your edification, um, is the new norm so that while we may have some uh, mentally um, challenged um, children in your family and the two others seem to be normal, the reality is on the spectrum of human nature that we all live, we are all somewhat abnormal. And I know you agree with that. We can call ourselves normal, but... Normal is relative. And so, but while we do have the gift of a kind of intelligence or a mental capacity that the older kids had, um, what you are discovering in this experience, as do many other people, LB, is that the sum total of the quality of our personhood as individuals is not wrapped up in our intelligence. And this is why I'm talking about the subject. And I use this trifecta as part of my foundational discourse, health, a quality life and pain management is because I know that that's where we are in the complex nature of living. We don't simply live a life. We're living a life uh, on a spectrum between health and pain. And we may be mostly healthy today. But for some reason or another, genetically, epigenetically, socially, um, physically, spiritually, emotionally, uh, there will come a time when we're wounded and pain management is going to be uh, a very serious uh, option for us. It happens to be in this tragic comment in regards to the pain management and just for those that are out there, I've always had an autoimmune issue that has at times made me have to adjust my life drastically. Sometimes that was at the loss of a job. 
or sometimes it was just meaning that I had to give up a favorite food or something because it was just exacerbating it, amplifying the issue. Sure. So I just, I guess I want to tell people is lifestyle changes, especially when God is directing you there, especially if it's against the norm, it's difficult, but it's not impossible. Right. And yes, it's always an uphill swim to me. I feel like a salmon. Going, you know, everybody else going downstream, I'm going upstream. I got you. But I'm always in a good place mentally, even if after a good cry or whatever, I'm like, okay. But you know what? I'm doing better than that person. And it's not that I'm judging them. It's because I don't necessarily have the side effects when they choose those things like cannabis and stuff. I agree. You know? I agree. That that is that is the lesson that we do want to get out of this. And so I'm going to frame it this way as I take a break. And your call was precious. It's probably going to be the best call tonight on our topic. And that is that. Um, really, the goal when we get hit with major potholes in life that pour, that that draw us into a post traumatic stress syndrome uh, scenario, whether we're a young person or an old person, and we are inclined to a process now of pain management, the believer in Christ really does need to work through a sound approach to it so that we do not succumb to actually uh, mitigating what we are called to health, a quality life, and therefore um, being able to deal with whatever pains we have biblically, spiritually, emotionally, and then also wisely with the resources that our world does give us because it gives us a lot of resources. And I'm not even completely uh, mitigating or um, excluding excluding cannabis or marijuana. I think that there probably is an element in it somewhere where it can be useful, but it has to be coupled with men and women who have a strong, sound mind so that they do not sink into the negative components of pain management, which appears to be the case with many people, including your two older ones. I want to encourage you to keep praying for them and encouraging them to move in a direction of health um, so that they can come up out of that mire and be testimonies of grace that have been able to overcome the uh, addiction of pain management. Thank you for the call. I've got to take a break. Two lines open, one 367 Very good caller. Thank you for that call, LB. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.